0: Get it? Now it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away. Ain't no skipping a track Have you paid more attention? No listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted. No giving it back. Yeah, back.
1: Yeah. Ooh. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, the hardest part of the ring, Kyle Bird. How is everybody doing today? I hope you're ready to bash. Bash in my glory. Great American Bash 1996 from old WCW on the way today. What a time in wrestling. June of 1996. We all know what's a-coming. We are, we are slowly crawling out of the darkness. Very slowly, but... We got some big things on the horizon, and that is a lot of that is set up in this show. A lot of firsts on this show, uh, a lot of lasts too. Hey, let's let's call a spade a spade. This is the last pre-NWO pay-per-view that WCW will put on, so it's pretty historic in that sense. However, this show is still a big steaming pile of dog shit, so... It's not that bad. There's actually some very good stuff on this show, but overall, it's like, yeah, I'm ready for. Can we? Can we? You know, Um, good look. The cruiserweight division is boiling hot at this point. We got Dean Malenko versus Rey Mysterio. A debuting Rey Mysterio on this show. Uh, spoiler alert. By far the best match on this show. Uh, yeah, spoiler. It's it's better than John Tenta and Big Bubba. It's better than Conan versus El Gato. It's even better than the goddamn football players on this show. We got Ric Flair and Arn Anderson facing off against Steve Mongo McMichael and the Carolina Panthers. Kevin Green. We got a lot to talk about there. Many shenanigans at play as per usual. But that being said, also, by the way, got the giant defending the world title against Lex Luger in the main event. And I say, oh, by the way, because that that is how this show treats that main event. But again, don't want to get too ahead of myself. We got a lot to talk about. Both me and my guest and me and you, because, hey, you better stay, you better stick around, person Person watching or listening, because we will grade the show at the end, and we will also continue the hardest promotion battle of 1996 to see which promotion overall is doing the best at this moment. So we got WCW versus ECW versus WWF. And uh, if you've been following the uh, if you've been following the battle, you'll know that WCW is in last place with one point. WWF has eleven. ECW has ten. What do those points mean? Who 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 gives a hoot? What does the winner get? Well, stick around to the end, and your boy will tell you. But first, before we get into anything else, let me give a shout out to my guest, Steve. From the SCW Wrestling Channel on YouTube, Steve does a bunch of stuff. He does pay-per-view predictions, recaps, best-of lists, all, all sorts of lists. Does some retro stuff, man. What if you're not if you're not watching Steve on YouTube, you might just be an asshole because he puts out really great content. I like to bully uh, the audience into uh, watching my guests. That's my method. But Steve's Steve's a great dude. I've had him on before. Uh, Lovely, lovely gent. Just a very pleasant fellow. And you don't get a lot of that in the the wrestling community nowadays. Uh, Very bright, very charming, very handsome. I'm kind of flirting with him, I'm I'm realizing right now, uh, third hand. But go check him out. All of his info in the description below. All my info as well apronbump.com for all my episodes and everything, all the social media's at apronbump on everything. Go buy a t-shirt, go go buy me a fruit basket, do whatever you need to do to support the apron bump podcast. Hey, you don't even need to do those things. Maybe share the podcast, maybe give it a like on YouTube, leave a comment. Yeah, give me a rating on Spotify or Apple or whatever the hell pocket cast i think i I, I like a lot of pocket cast users listening to my show uh leave a review a rating whatever the hell i'm done i'm done shilling i'm done plugging let's get to the bash let's get some scott hall let's get some kevin nash let's throw eric bischoff off the stage wcw great american bash 1996 with myself and steve from the scw wrestling channel yeah, it's been it's been it's been hectic, it's been busy. Um
0: a lot of family time for me, um, with a little one as well. So yeah, it's it's been keeping good. How about yourself?
1: Not too bad, not too bad. Where where is it that you're from again? Uh
0: so I'm originally from the United Kingdom. Um right. I am currently uh in Sweden at the moment, but I also spend some time oh.
1: in the Canary Islands as well. I'm I'm kind of a, a bit of a traveller, if you want. Gotcha. Yeah, I was I was curious as the six hours thing. I'm not really too sure about the time zones, you know, beyond the United States. So but Sweden, is that family related or are you just... Yes, yeah, so my
0: wife is Swedish, so um, oh, nice. yeah. So we spend time where both families are. So we have times in Sweden with with her family. We have time in the Canary Islands with my family. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a good time all around, really. Um, and I believe since since we last did uh, a podcast, you got married, didn't you?
1: I did. Congratulations. I did, yes. Thank you. Thank you. We're about uh, eight, eight, nine months in. Going, going strong so far. So nice. far, so good, I guess. So, yeah, absolutely. Nothing really changed. I mean, we, we've we been living together for, you know, since like two years before we got married. So, amazing. Amazing. Well, I'm really happy for you, dude.
0: Thank you. I see Thank a little addition there as well.
1: <laughs> Whenever I'm uh, talking into the mic, he thinks that like he needs to help, I think, or he thinks that I'm like talking to somebody like physically. <laughs> I think he's just generally curious. So, we'll just have to be, uh, have his claws in me during this entire. Joe, <laughs> I've, I've seen some cameos anyway which is good oh he likes to until i put the mic up to his mouth and then he just clams up he always has stuff to say <laughs> until i ask for it right yeah exactly and uh he's been puking lately so hopefully he doesn't do that uh too audibly if he does but uh you know maybe he just maybe he just watched great american bash 1996 and that's why he's puking huh
0: that could be the case. Well, especially if it's uh, a bit of John Tenter and Big Bubba. I mean, goodness.
1: Ooh, that was, uh, this is a weird show, man. Um, yeah. It was because I know this show for all the shenanigans with you know, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall. Mm. Um, otherwise, I wasn't super fam- familiar with uh, the show. But um, you yourself, were, did you watch WCW like around this time frame? So, yeah, I watched WCW in spells
0: because in the United Kingdom, we didn't get any wrestling. Whether right. it was WWE or WCW till Friday. That was the first time we would get it, and obviously, being young without the internet, not aware of a Dave Meltzer, used to used to be kind of spoiler free the entire week. You'd wait till your Friday, uh, yeah. but of course, compared to Mondays, you think at the Monday Night War, you'd think, oh well, you know, in the UK, we'll probably get it different times. It'll be you can watch one, watch the other. They did exactly the same thing, so it was kind of like you had WWE and WCW head to head. So it was very rare. I would go and say, I'm going to watch WCW uh, over WWE or anything. Usually, the one time I actively changed the channel was Goldberg and Hogan, which was like in the middle of 98 when Goldberg won the title. Uh, But apart from that, um, you'd get occasions where you would see maybe the first hour of Nitro. And then you could switch over to WWE. That would be the way it would usually work out for me. So I am familiar with some of 96 purely because around that time period, I would tune over with the NWO stuff when it started. Mm -hmm. This show I had not seen or anything of until the pandemic. That was when I went through my, uh, we can't go to work. We can't leave our homes. Let's watch WCW because things can't get any worse. Um, So... (laughs) You know um but yeah it was it was a it was a good time uh particularly around summer of 96 and this is where things I think start to heat up obviously we like you mentioned there the national hall stuff is uh pretty exciting and um mm-hmm. obviously the, there was a couple of matches that I remembered from this show I was like, I look forward to going back and watching them Rey Mysterio De was one that I was quite keen to watch again oh yeah uh, and of course the the infamous Chris Benoit uh can we say his name uh, against <laughs> Kevin Sullivan the taskmaster. Uh, clearly put in the tasks. This was the, the early stages of that feud, of course. Um, right. And then before
1: things got very real. So Kevin Sullivan definitely murdered Chris Benoit, right? Um, I mean, <laughs> do we say
0: the word allegedly? I don't know. What, what what do we do? Sure.
1: Yeah. Allegedly. Right. I mean, I think there's a conversation to be had, right? It's probably all probably all boils down back to this, you know, toilet bathroom brawl that they had Is way my guess you know that's just me though um but maybe maybe we'll t- we'll touch on more of that once we get to that match but yeah I, I for the most so. part i agree with you um yeah dean malenko and ray mysterio was the match that kind of jumped out at me when i looked at this card and it definitely not only match of the night i mean i think for wcw up to this point probably match of the year so that's some really good mm-hmm. stuff there but otherwise like Oh, no, you brought up John Tenta and Big Bubba <laughs> before. It's like a lot of that type of stuff on this show. Even like the ones that I like kind of had high hopes for weren't all that great. There was some the great stuff on this pay-per-view. I felt like was the out of ring stuff, um, the story. There's some good stories going on, but um, yeah, the in-ring stuff, I feel it feels like we're just prepping for the NWO at this point, because it'll be the next uh, pay-per-view bash at the beach when that all starts. But we're kind of just leading into that now. But uh but great american bash i think it was a solid show wasn't the worst show i've ever seen um but to say i mean i might throw a c minus at it d plus i don't know if you had to grade it from like a like an a to f what, what do you think you would give it
0: yeah, I think around the C bracket is probably a fair rating. I think that there is some positive stuff on this show that I that I quite enjoyed. Um, Obviously, going back and watching over like uh, Sting and uh, Lord Stephen Regal, I spent with the William Regal was nice and early to get the names wrong. But uh, at the same time, like that, that had a, an interesting story in it for me. But I didn't believe the story that they were telling me. That was that was the, probably the problem with the match. Mm. But the, the green quality was fine for me. I didn't mind, and usually I have a very hit and miss when it comes to the, um, let's say, Athletes, outsiders coming in for pro wrestling. Obviously, you've got the, the right. NFL pro footballers, and let's be fair, you know, an Englishman on the Great American Bash, usually you can see there's going to be some question marks to me of Kevin Green. Uh, Mongo, Michael, like the, obviously, Mongo had been a part of WCW for nearly the best part mm-hmm. of the year on commentary. Uh, but obviously, Kevin Green was someone that I had no clue who he was, and I still only know him really through his time of his appearances through WCW. I've never gone to go and see what he did in the mm-hmm. NFL. So from an outside USA perspective, it's a bit of a, um, I don't know, I've always had a disconnect with that. But at the same time, I, I always make the comparison and think to myself, you know, this this is almost like WCW kind of seeing what WWE did or WWF back in 95 with Lawrence Taylor yeah. at uh, WrestleMania 11 probably with all, I want some of that action where, you know, for me as a wrestling fan, that age absolutely hated the idea of that. I think it's the worst WrestleMania ever. But when you look mm-hmm. at it from a business perspective, I guess a lot of outside eyes want to creep in. I don't know if you're a big NFL guy. And does that, was that sort of a thing that would make you think, well, I would be attracted to see maybe some of the top sports athletes from somewhere else coming in?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm kind of touch and go sports. I'm not like a huge sports fan, but I mean, if, WCW, if it, in this time, if I was watching football and I heard Kevin Green's going to be wrestling, I, I'd at least check it out. I'd at least see what's going on. Um, so to your point, yeah, I get that. I mean, any any name value, any celebrity rub that they can get, I, it seems like a smart business decision. Um, and with Mongo already there, and I'm sure him and Kevin Green are friends. I'm sure that's kind of a real thing. So it all kind of made sense. Um, but the story with Flair and... Um, Arn Anderson and the horseman is, is kind of discombobulated and macho man's there, and then you have know, a lot of shenanigans afoot in mm-hmm. that match, but um, I suppose we'll get to that, but yeah, to your point i was I was interested for an outside u s perspective because it seems like like if you threw like a a soccer player or a rugby player out there, I, I probably wouldn't know either, so I wouldn't care so but yeah. yeah. in the scheme of the u s it makes sense, but speaking of the u s great American bash, of course. Starting with the national anthem, which I I'm sure it brought a tear to your eye. I'm sure you stood up, put your hand to your heart, and the this the
0: second up. I saw Craig Pittman there, that that was it for me. I I, I thought myself, you bring out the lower to mid card guy there, who's probably fair. I'd forgot he was employed by this point. And it was <laughs> the lieutenant the guy that was around as well for a little while. Then he went disappearing to the, about 2001. He has the uh the the song that's used in Friends as his uh as his entrance theme.
1: Oh, yeah. no it was um yeah it was craig Pittman and uh cobra i believe the guy's name was yeah cobra's on this occasion yeah
0: i can't remember the guy that i'm thinking of um it's like lieutenant something at the time but he's he's uh yeah sense.
1: yeah another one another one of these jobbers that that, that kind of goes missing but uh right. <laughs> yeah yeah watching wcw like in hindsight i never watched wcw so seeing like these names that i've never heard of like i had never heard of craig Pittman until i stumbled upon him doing these reviews and it was really i mean the match he had where he was facing cobra cobra was in the ring and S- craig pitman repels from the ceiling and then like army crawls over to him and then like chokes him with a y like it's so stupid but yeah otherwise he's actually not a bad he's like a legit amateur wrestler and has some skills to him but it's never really i don't know where he goes after this he's just out there holding the flag i guess you know no no super pomp and circumstance no uh no uh, Aretha Franklin singing national anthem, <laughs> but they just had the stock music, which is fine. That's all they need.
0: I did get into the spirit though. Well, I won't lie to you; like it would, it would be rude mm. of me to, you know, as a as a guy from outside the US to not get into the spirit of the Great American Bash. I had the apple pie on the side waiting. Do right. you know what I mean? Like I was, I was in full, full flow and full swing for what was ahead. A couple of couple of beers, had a barbecue for dinner, so I I knew what I was getting into. All the American
1: stuff, right? Get Absolutely. some McDonald's. Um, all of that. Yeah. But, um, I mean, you got Wembley Stadium coming up, so you're already in a good mood. You already got enough. Let us have, you know, Baltimore, <laughs> Maryland, a great American bash. That's fine. Um, but yeah, we start out here. Commentary lays out the scene, kind of what's going to be happening on this show. They bring up how, uh, that they're, they're going to get the answer on whether or not WCW is going to go to war with them, which of course is Holland Nash at this point. It's just interesting to see how like the seeds get planted for the NWO here. But, um, we get more of that later in the show. But we open up with man, maybe my second favorite match of the night. We got the Steiner Brothers versus Fire and Ice. Of course, the team of Ice Train and Scott Norton. It's kind of like a guilty pleasure type of match for mm. type of match for me. Just big boys. It's I can't say this was a good match. It was kind of sloppy, but man, it was just entertaining to see these big guys just run into each other you got big guys picking up other big guys dropping them on their heads i mean it was just it was a pleasure ple- pleasure to watch for me what do you think about this one
0: yeah i really enjoyed the match actually because like you said um again is that, that believability factor is like the steiner Brothers is one of my favorite teams from the 90s i always their work oh, yeah. and was mostly familiar originally with their stuff actually in WCW when up very very early days when it was like the Saturday nights we used to get that one of those shows on uh, Sunday morning TV in the UK um mm-hmm. during the kids sort of time but um yeah, seeing them go to WWE and coming back to WCW though they, they were they were big time for me and uh like you say fire fire and ice they I never believed they would win the match but at the same time I, I felt that um when you look at Scott Norton's role uh, in WCW when they sort of try to bring him into big deal And then he kind of, kind of lost his way. They couldn't really find a place for him. This tag team kind of worked quite nicely up until the NWO uh, was actually a factor, where he could be a part of that group, part of the B squad. Uh, But uh, you know, for me, that the match was good. Like you said, it's, it's big men throwing meat around and to be fair they're doing a good job of, of uh of throwing themselves around like you say not every move is is hit perfectly and i'm sure we'll talk about the finish uh later on but um mm-hmm. obviously the you know seeing like scott Steiner throw some suplexes throw some guys around you know it's, it's just fun to see the steiner line as well and i mean how can you not get pumped as well
1: from the steiner bros theme song <laughs> is so the theme song did the band that did this theme song did they just knock out the Steiner's theme song and Sting's theme song like one after the other? Because <laughs> exactly. I, I can never tell which one it is. <laughs> I swear it's like the same intro and then like the, the chorus is different, but it's a, it's, a, it's a banger. Whatever. Both are bangers. So can't complain. Um, But yeah, I mean, there's some. Uh, man, Ice Train is just huge. I had never really mm. seen much of Ice Train before, you know, re- reviewing this, but it was um. Again, just a power plant guy. I'm assuming just a big old boy, Scott Norton, arm wrestler, and then the Steiner brothers, of course. But um, yeah, Scott Scott Steiner probably stood out the most as far as like uh, moves that happened in this match that kind of caught my eye. Like when he he drops Norton on his head with a T Bone Suplex. Just taught. I think there's something to be said about a match being a little rough around the edges. There's a bit of legitimacy there. It's like not Ooh. super clean, but it, it makes it kind of feel like a struggle. Um, so that, that is a plus on, on my end when watching this. But uh, Scott Norton, man, he catches Scott Steiner off the top rope. Like Steiner goes for a cross body. Norton just catches him like a baby into a power slam. So there is some really impressive stuff here. Uh, ultimately, though, the finish comes when the Steiners hit their uh, double bulldog doomsday device deal. And then Scott hits a... One, maybe the ugliest Frankensteiner I've ever seen in my life. I don't know if you could even call it that, but that uh, gets the win. So, um, yeah, what'd you think about that one?
0: Yeah, Botchermania the finish. That was it was uh, kind of kind of reminded me of WrestleMania nine. I think that the Frankensteiner on that sh- that that occasion wasn't wasn't the cleanest either, and uh, just mm. the way that the head hits the canvas. You kind of like, Phew. but like you say though, you've made a really good point. Rough around the edges sometimes add a bit adds a bit of legitimacy to a match. You sort of start uh-huh. to feel like you're not only just suspending your disbelief watching a wrestling show, but it's nice to feel sometimes where it's a bit edgy and you feel this, this, there's a feeling where I don't know, realism creeps in because literally the guy has been dropped on his head, but right. of course you want, you want the safety first, of course, but um, I, there was some, there was some other cool moments in the match. I mean, Scott, Scott Norton landing at a couple of those uh, shoulder breakers. When do you see that these days? God. You don't get those yeah. moves nowadays. And that, that's a, you know, we're saying about a bang. I mean, literally it, it's going to bang because it's going to
1: hurt. Um, it's, it's, it's a good move. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, I can't imagine there's a way to take that without it just hurting profusely and he gives him like one or two of them so um, that devastating move but not enough so fire and ice uh, they melt I guess I don't know but they lose <laughs> <laughs> and the status, I think this might have been like a number one contenders match for the tag titles but as of this moment the tag titles are, are kind of just a prop with Sting and Lex Luger at this point so I don't know if that matters too much but yeah Um but After that, we got a lot of mean Gene on this show, I should say. He's uh, which I'm not going to complain about at all, because that's he's always a a pleasure to see. Uh, But he's here after that match with Jimmy Hart and the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan. This feud, I don't know, maybe you could shed some light on this so the the Horsemen and the Dungeon of Doom, they like. They started at odds and then they came together to try to end Hulk Hogan. Now Hulk Hogan's kind of gone for the time being. Now there's like strife between the Dungeon of Doom and the Horsemen. Benoit and Sullivan have, you know, not been getting along at the last pay-per-view. They were in a team together and they had miscommunications and whatnot. But Art Anderson's trying to be the middleman and trying to bring the guys together. And Kevin Sullivan's here is like, hey, it's not about the horsemen. It's about Benoit. <laughs> So, I don't know, what did you make of this this horse? I mean, I guess we'll touch on it more in the match itself, but I guess the general, the horsemen and Dungeon of Doom feud, if you have any memories of that at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, you summed a lot of that pretty well, but uh, I, f- I think, obviously, that defining feeling is um, Sullivan has always had that connection with the idea of the horsemen. Like, uh, him and Arn. I suppose, have had that, that history going back, mm-hmm. and he, he claims Benoit to not be a horseman and not to be good enough, and obviously, he had the feud going on with, with Brian Pillman, at the time in early 96, which of course he said, I have already chase one guy out that that wasn't a horseman. You deemed to be a horseman. I'm now going to get rid of another. And uh, obviously that that's what leads to that. But um, I don't know there's always something a bit fun when I hear the words dungeon of the doom in general, not to go off completely <laughs> off topic, but uh, no, I, I, for me, I hear like when people say to me, Bray Wyatt, would you like those those Firefly puppets to come to life? I immediately think we're going to get the Dungeon the Doom return. I mean, I don't need to see Zodiac again. Do you know what I mean? And, and Shark. Right. And it was like the biggest group of misfits of a group you've ever seen. And it kind of was like the early stages of like that sort of... Um, well, you'd see like vignettes and stuff backstage, kind of not like uh, a funhouse, but they kind of went into your own realm with the Dungeon of the Doom. It's uh, right. completely bonkers stuff. And the mind of, kind of only the mind of Kevin Sullivan can come up with anything so wacky and weird and crazy as he does. And uh, you mentioned Hogan a minute ago. I mean, I've never been the biggest fan of Hogan, but to think that Hogan going to the dark side, this is as a result of Kevin Sullivan never sits right with me because all the people Hogan had faced but uh at the same right. time when you, when you look at it here when it comes into this feud here um it's it's quite a tasty idea this has been building like you say for, for a matter of months because like you said they they've worked together now they're kind of going against one another again they were against one another at the start and mm. obviously that idea of like you know is is this guy is is Benoit good enough to be a horseman uh and we're going to find out in the match which for me it, it, it kind of sold up the match perfectly
1: right it's almost in a way almost like uh pillman left and benoit kind of just jumped into his place feuding with sullivan but i think it um i mean it does get weird as time goes on but um i guess we'll see but um what's your uh what's your favorite el gato match (laughs) probably this one i don't think i've seen too many if i'm honest um like i did a little research on so it's pat tanaka Um, which I didn't realize while watching this, but I'm not too familiar with him. I've heard the name, Um, but doing a quick search, it didn't seem like this gimmick was a prominent part of his career. Um, I guess the Oriental Express, I think he was probably most known for. I don't know. Do you have any other uh, you might know? You might be more of a Pat Tanaka aficionado than I am, so please educate me. I'd have be, been, to be fair, the only t- name that got resurfaced in my name the recent weeks was on Dark
0: Side of the Ring. That's pretty much how the name come back into my thing. brain. But, um, yeah, I think, like you said, maybe the Orient Express. But um, I was sitting and thinking, I recognize this guy under the mask. I mean, to be fair, mm. like, I was, I mean, before we even go really into much detail of the match, I, all I can say is that his match with Conan, I'm distracted for most of this match. I mean, like, the, at least pick a mask that fits. It's like, did he pick up an excess <laughs> what's what's going on like it's like it's, me picking a pair of speedos at the next session you're not going to fit much in there do you know what i mean it's not it's not <laughs> a good deal
1: yeah it's it seems like just the tiger mask mask like that they just yeah. put. it's like a guy who's playing our wrestling he was wearing like slacks it seemed like it seemed like you just got a guy off the street like hey throw this mask on and wrestle conan for the u.s title but <laughs> whatever man maybe there's some pat tanaka fans out there that are yelling at us but um it kind of when he come when he came out i was like Is that that Haku under that mask? Because it kind of looked like him in the face and a little bit in the hair, but he wasn't quite as big. So it's like, it couldn't Mm. be Haku. Um, But whatever the case is, he's facing off against Conan here. Um, Really, I mean, this felt like more of just like a showcase for Conan. I don't want to say this is a squash match, but it kind of was. I mean, really, the, the things that, well, I'll say this, the thing that actually stuck out to me in this match, you said you were distracted by the mask. I was distracted by Dusty Rhodes trying to call this match he's (laughs) all the submissions It's like all throughout the show i mean he's like conan had him in some sort of leg lock and he's like oh we've got him in a got him in a spider way up who's who's got who you know what i'm saying so i don't know but i don't know what you think of dusty Rhodes commentary i guess in this match, just in general on this show
0: dusty is i mean dusty is a character he's a legend we we you know we give him his mad props but i mean the commentary table um I don't think he knows what he's going to say. And I think sometimes that's the brilliance of it. Like, you yeah. don't know what's going to come out. I mean, even towards the main event, he's something like uh, this. This show has been unbelievable. And it's like he said, I like, I know I've said that a lot. You're going to compile it into one little clip. But he's like, and afterwards, just like, it's been incredible. They're like, you'll wear that word out next. It's like, he can't really. And I think he gets Michael Buffer's name wrong at one point. I think he calls for for um, Buffer, uh, David Pincer. Uh, no. for uh, a, a ringside, and it's like, no, it's buffer, and you could just see like there's literal, like he's all over the place on this show. Literally, he can't keep himself together, but uh, he is entertaining to, to listen to. That's that's one thing for sure, but uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, maybe distraction for you in this match. And I couldn't get off Elgato Was 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 it eBay around in '96? Where did he get the Tiger Mask from?
1: Yeah, uh, possibly eBay. Um, what else was around? AOL, AOL probably had <laughs> something, right? You could dial up and get a mask, call a number. Call the hotline? You could probably this is probably the hotline actually. You could call and mean Jean or Mike Tanay would send you one. Maybe
0: Liger brought one over for like maybe like Cody Rhodes or something at the time, being like eight or nine years old, and El right. went,
1: I'll borrow that mask. It's a kid's mask, but I'll make it work. I mean, probably it's probably just at the merch stand, to be honest. Probably just you probably have to pay for it too. You know, he's not gonna get <laughs> any free masks. Pat Tanaka, get the hell out of here. Go lose to Conan. Um, yeah, in this match, Conan, it's fine, you know. Gatto gets a little bit of offense in but ultimately conan uh controls most of this match eventually hits a sunset power bomb off the apron to the floor which looked pretty not gnarly mm-hmm. um threw him back in and hit him at, hit conan hit Gatto with a alabama slam out of the corner and then just flips over for the pin for the win so uh conan gets the win he's been u.s champion at this point for a while now so i guess we're still just building up conan which is Interesting because I know he just kind of becomes a member of the uh, the Dungeon of Doom eventually, right? Mm. And then we're off uh, off to the races with the uh, the Cholo Conan, but we're still with the, the, the luchador, you know, with all the tassels and the colors. And I don't know if he came out in a mask this time, but I know he's been doing that. But it was the match was what it was. It, like I said, it was kind of just a showcase for Conan, but I don't know. What what'd you think of the match itself, I guess?
0: Yeah, it's, it's uh, comfortable for Kona, and it's a bit of filler. They, they give Elgato, we give Elgato probably more time than WCW gave Elgato, to be fair. But um, yeah, I mean, like you said, the match was fine, but there wasn't enough where you stick your teeth into it to really take too much out of it. And like you said, they're, they're trying to... They're trying to build Conan into being that star. Like you said, eventually he will change himself up. He will go into the Dungeon of Doom. Obviously, later the NWO as well was calling mm-hmm. the Pack Also, um, so he will he will go on to find his his fame and fortune in in World Championship Wrestling. But uh, at this moment, he's still kind of the uh, for me a very generic character. It's it's not something that connects. It's not something that makes me yeah. uh, hooked onto the screen. Even though, Conan, is a very impressive athlete.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll he'll definitely figure it out. To your point, but. Uh... After that, we go backstage. We got more Mean Gene. This time, he's with Sting backstage. I'm gonna go ahead and guess you probably did not enjoy this interview. Uh, he's <laughs> he's 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 calling because he's facing uh, Lord Steven Regal later in the mm. show, and he's calling Regal. Well, actually, Mean Mean Gene calls him a sissy, and then Sting just kind of pile on, piles on. He's, he's a sissy because he drinks tea with his pinky out, which I'm sure. Uh, you weren't too pleased with as, as I, I think that's all you guys do right is drink tea with your pinky out so
0: well I, I figured once this this segment came and I was like this is why I'm here I need to clarify <laughs> this for the world like this this yes. is the spot the moment right now it's gonna be made to the shorts the short video it's coming out how mm-hmm. do we do it why do we do it when do we do it only on weekends that's the only time oh we're busy in the week we, we gotta do our thing in the week when it comes to the weekend put our feet up lay ourselves out the pinky can come out but uh until that time no uh for me the the segment no seriously it's 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 what it is i think it's a bit messy to be honest i think sting you can tell that these things aren't scripted that well because sting kind of goes off on the sissy stuff and then he kind of gets himself into a situation where he's like i can't even say this stuff like we, we're not allowed to do where this is going so it's like right okay yeah we we've uh we it's,
1: it's a bit of a car crash when it comes to it to be fair 1996 man what a time says he's gonna <laughs> Straighten Regal out. And uh, we're just like a month away or a month in, uh, after, you know, WWF had a pay per view where people were chanting homophobic slurs. Uh, a whole hmm. arena was at Gold Dust. So it's just the time, I it's guess. Time. But uh, speaking of that, well, not really, but DDP is defending his Lord of the Ring against Marcus Alexander Bagwell. Uh, still one half of the American males. We are not uh, at top hat Buff Bagwell at this point yet, but DDP's here. So he won the Battle Bowl at uh, the last pay-per-view, and it seemed like he was his push was starting, but they didn't really follow up with it much. They, they, they initially advertised it as whoever wins this Battle Bowl is going to fight for the world title at Great American Bash. And obviously that's not the case here, but he has this ring that he theoretically can cash in for a title shot at some point. I'm not really sure how that works. To my understanding, I don't even know if he ever really does. uh, But he's here defending against Marcus Bagwell. It just felt like a random. First of all, DDP is out here. He he tried because they're in Baltimore, and I don't know if this really hit with you. Cal Ripken. Are you familiar with Cal Ripken, the baseball player? Baseball stick hit a ball. It's kind (laughs) of silly. But Cal Ripken, he, he set the record for most Uh, consecutive games played. He was played for the Baltimore Orioles. He was a good player back in the day. Um, I guess he's still playing in 1996, but he tries to shit all over Cal Ripken, but he calls him Carl Ripken. So the crowd's like, what? So it wasn't really effective, but uh, the match itself, I thought it was fine. It just felt like um, it didn't really suck me in for whatever the reason. I felt like a lot. It felt like two impressive, like talented guys, but it didn't seem to be a lot of heat behind it but i don't know what would you what do you think about it so i
0: have to give this a negative five stars purely because we didn't even listen to the american males theme song that was a letdown just from the that's get-go a great point that's actually um, a really great point so that's mine minus five right there but um yeah. you're right with d i don't know if he ever cashes that in i can't i was trying to remember to think like right you have something to look forward to or not but i, I don't remember but like you said ddp winning that 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 battle ball ring or lord of the ring whatever they want to call it mm. was Basically, a pay-per-view for mid-carders. Like, that right. I remember watching that being a long slog when
1: I watched that show. I don't know if you felt the same when you watched that show. Yes, absolutely. It was... Because it it was... the finals, the final portion of that tournament was a battle royal. And you have, like, DDP was the biggest star in that by far. And in early 96, he wasn't a big star. I mean, you had the public enemy was in there. You have, like, the barbarian. You got... Maybe Disco Inferno. It was just like, like you said, it was like a pre pre-show jobber battle royal, it felt like. But it was like the culmination of this thing. But yeah, no, I agree with that.
0: It was uh, yeah, painful. But so to, to, to think to yourself, like to come to this match, like you said, I kind of was a bit like, oh, well, DDP, Mar- Marcus Bagwell. I felt Bagwell was a better performer in his earlier run in WCW compared to the latter run as well. So... Mm. I kind of was was looking forward to the match. There was a few springboard moments where both of them went flying over the top rope. It felt like it it kind of went around the ringside. They made the most of the space they had. But like you said, there wasn't really a, I didn't really feel a connection to a story in the match. I kind of just felt like Mm. it was just there to fill up some time. It was just there to do a purpose of, you know, we said the last match was showcase of Conan. I thought that this was kind of like, well, obviously DDP didn't get his title match here. So what we'll do is we're just going to try and build the guy up a little bit instead. So which American male can he beat on this show? And I think that's kind of what (laughs) they were going with.
1: Well, maybe he'll beat Scotty Riggs at the next show. We'll just look forward mm-hmm. to that. But uh, yeah, no, I agree. It was like I said, it wasn't anything. It was it was, you know, a fine match. Like the the action was well paced. But just for whatever reason, I kind of just didn't really. I was I felt I felt myself zoning out at certain points. But mm. um, Diamond Cutter for the win, as per usual, starting to build up that finisher. It's already being built as like one of the best finishers in the, the company at this point. So and this is for the Lord of the Ring. So he's defending his ring, and he defends it successfully, uh, DDP does. But um, yeah, I'm wondering, you know, American males, I mean, when is that? How long does that last? Because I was wondering, is this like a like a test run for Bagwell here as a singles guy, perhaps?
0: So, I mean, I don't want to fill in some spoilers if you're going through WCW, but um, I can give you the time frame if you want it. Please throw it at me. So it's around the end of ninety six. There is a period where the NWO mm. are together with they're quite united and their idea is that they're gonna take over WCW and it's a one night offer for wrestlers that want to be on the winning team rather than the losing team. If you're not with us, you're against us kind mm. of vibe. And Bagwell is one of the people that decides to kind of take his opportunity to go. And I think the same night that
1: Scott Norton also joins the NWO. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, we'll look forward to that. But after that, we got Mean Gene again, this time with the Giants, um, the world champion, of course, in the main event defending against Lex Luger. What do you think of this presentation of Paul White? Personally, I, I think I enjoy it. What about you?
0: I like it. But Again, we've got, we're talking about the, the Dungeon of Doom stuff. So, I mean, like, it's mm. kind of it's a bit out of, out of the box. And obviously his debut came in this sort of weird outer realm thing with Hogan back in 95. So I kind of, I like it. It's wacky. It's goofy. It's fun. Um, But I think it has, it does have a shelf life off it. I don't feel like it was um when he does eventually break away from the group. I think that he kind of, in a way goes on to bigger and better things, but some may argue the case on that as well um depending on how it plays out uh but yeah I, for me i i don't mind it i will say that i'm i'm open-minded to it. when when we say dungeon of doom usually for me i'm a zone out kind of guy with it but uh, obviously <laughs> right. when it comes to the giant it, it's a different story he's he's kind of like the one
1: credible member of that group right i think um i think this promo in particular i enjoyed because it felt less cartoony than his promos mm. usually do um, not to say it didn't have its campiness to it, but it felt very like and the, there's a Lex Luger promo later in the show. It's kind of the same thing. It's like a serious, more realistic tone. And with like the NWO up and coming and that's like their whole thing is how it was like bl- blurring the lines between realism and not realism. So I feel like maybe that's seeping into other characters throughout the show. Maybe I'm looking too far into it, but um yeah, the giant. I mean, he's a big dude. Like it's it felt like, you know, throughout his whole career, it was back and forth, up and down. But it feels like that he's in a steady spot here. World champion. He's he's a giant. You don't really need to think too much about it. He's just a big guy. You got to conquer. So I feel like that was like his forte. And I feel like he was doing it pretty well, even though he's still very green at this point. But.
0: Absolutely. And I think as well, one thing that I really enjoyed about the promo um, was his his actual tone of voice. I actually like the fact that um, he almost goes into like the the Jake Roberts kind of uh, playbook of doing a promo with the fact that he kind of more softly spoken, if you will, kind of like it it makes you go towards into the screen further. Maybe I shouldn't go towards more into the mic, but uh, at the same time, sorry for the ears. Uh, But um, (laughs) at the same time, like, you know, then he picks his moment to then kind of, you know, raise his voice where you kind of like watch throughout the show. And like you said, we've got millions of promos on this show. But even like at the start of the 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 beginning of the show, where it's kind of like about six or seven different guys kind of just shouting at the screen while you need to be enjoying yes. this show. It's kind of like everyone just makes noise. It's kind of like, you know, I, I don't know, like uh, what's his it name? Was, Brick, Brick, Brick out of Anchorman, was just like loud noises, <laughs> kind of that kind of vibe going on, you know. Where it's well, it like, was
1: like the um, the AW collision intros. is like an homage to the, that. It was like the same kind of intro on the show
0: pretty much yeah so i mean like when the giant does a promo like this it's kind of like rather than going it's just another person shouting nonsense on my screen i'm actually invested to listen because of the fact he goes with a softer tone yeah. a bit calmer you kind of go oh and you draw more in so i actually think that his uh his delivery of this was, was actually pretty
1: well done yeah because at first when he first came on the scene he was very like frankenstein he was like I'm gonna do, get you. but now he's like a guy but he's, he's mm-hmm. a big guy but now it's it's more realistic so you can your point get invested in what he's saying um but we don't have two big guys here in this next match we have two cruiserweights fighting for the cruiserweight title the champion dean malenko versus ray mysterio jr the debut of ray mysterio in wcw um and the cruiserweight division as a whole is still very new i think this is only the second time it's been defended on pay-per-view um i think the title was introduced maybe a month or two before this so it's still Mm -hmm. very new um, but that being said, I think this match may be the reason the cruiserweight division became such a staple in WCW because it was definitely it was way different than any other match you saw on this card, really mm-hmm. different than anything you're seeing in America um, in terms of wrestling, just the Lucha style and the technical, the uh, this high face, high pace style. It was um, I mean, it was just so smooth. The chemistry between these two guys. I mean, there's a lot to say about this match, but overall, ray mysterio de Malenko. what'd you think about it it was
0: good as i remembered i thoroughly enjoyed the match between the two like you say ray mysterio complete unknown to think now he's still going now just becoming united states champion oh, in 2023 yeah and you know still he, champion he, he's still a champion he's still going it's unbelievable but um this is a match that if you took it out of 1996 and you put it in 2023 it mm. doesn't feel out of place and I think that's the the biggest compliment and testament to it of how much perhaps a lot of people may have looked at this match and kind of thought that's something to be inspired by a a style like Rey Mysterio is we've seen so many that since they've come and tried to replicate it Dean Malenko is one of the best technical wrestlers um I think ever to be fair I think he's hugely underrated I'm a big fan of Dean Malenko um I I'm a big fan of Texas Cloverleaf as well. I think it's criminal that it's not used by someone today as a finishing hold. Right. Um, but everything that, that Dean Blinko does, like the the focus on Ray's arm during this match as well, in mm-hmm. particular, uh, dissecting a body part, using the technical base, using submissions. And yeah, you have your rest periods and stuff with the match. But obviously these guys they they time it so it means something that matters you get your rest periods when you're meant to you kind of get your your heart racing with the high spots when you need to mm. this this all in all for me just
1: ticks a lot of boxes it was a fantastic match yeah you could argue maybe the rest periods went a little long um mm. but even that being said i mean to your point it builds up to you know when it, those explosions of action hit they mean something and the crowd was into it throughout the whole time so who, who to say that um, but yeah, Dean Malenko, man, I think w- the reason I enjoyed this match, I think, is because obviously you got Ray Mysterio and all the offense he brings. But Dean Malenko was such a good base for that because mm. at, at no point in this match did anything feel like like they were working together or felt like like a choreographed thing. It felt like a fight that just happened to have a lot of flips and twists and head scissors and submissions and all that stuff. It just there's a, a sense of legitimacy that watching these two guys wrestle it always brings. So. Um, I just thought the chemistry between these two guys was great. Like, just styles make fights, and I think when you have the technician of Dean Malenko versus the the high flyer of Rey Mysterio, I thought it was just a great, uh, a great clash of styles in a good way. Um, but yeah, like you said, Dean spends a lot of this match attacking the arm of Rey Mysterio. This all gets started off with Dean. He does like an up kick, he like bends the arm of Rey Mysterio with his feet. Um, and then he's in, the, but he's he's just throwing a lot of unique ways to attack the arm, whether it's trapping Ray's arm in the barricade and then kicking it or doing like hammer lock slams or using the ring apron. Like he's all the submissions like the a thousand holes thing. That's like a real thing. So he has a lot of ways to attack the arm. So it kind of kept it interesting as he was kind of slowly beating on Ray here. But Ray comes back springboard. helo to the outside, which I feel like it's is a clip that's all in all the Highlight packages for the cruiserweight division how Ray just like jumps like 20 feet, it seems like, to flip onto Mm -hmm. Dean Malenko on the outside. Um, and it's at this point towards the end, the action picks up. You got a bunch of uh roll ups, counters, uh, close calls, two counts. Ray hits a west coast pop for a two count and then goes for a victory roll onto Dean, but Dean counters it into a brutal looking power bomb and then just adds his feet on the ropes for good measure and that gives dean malenko the win and uh so he retains his cruiserweight title standing ovation from the crowd and i feel like we're just off to the races with the cruiserweight division here Um, unbelievable unbelievable
0: Uh, to borrow that from dusty um who says it all (laughs) through the night but uh no i mean the thing is a testament of how good this match is and why people watching this, if, if there's like a match they should go and seek out is this one is the fact that like you said, the demon linker puts his feet on the ropes. He's the heel. He's cheated to win yet. The crowd still give a standing ovation because they right. have just seen a masterclass. It's like you said that the styles of technical and high flying brought together two special athletes who, you know, let's be fair, an unbelievable chemistry to the point WCW went, we're doing this again. Um, and, and they have a countless other great matches throughout their time in 96. And it's like this This is just the springboard, like you say, for what is a very exciting division mm-hmm. that leads going forward in WCW for many years to come.
1: Yeah, for sure. And yeah, it's a testament because they're two relative unknowns at this point, even though they're, mm. I mean, they made their names in ECW and Baltimore and Philly aren't too far away from each other. So I don't know if there's, you know, if they're how familiar this crowd was with these guys, but. They were familiar after. That's for yeah, sure. That's for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Um, then we get a promo with Lex and Mean Gene afterwards, which we kind of touched on uh, just furthering the builds. Another kind of like, like he's like a Jake, the snake Roberts, just a really low even Lex even says like, I'm not going to scream. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. And it was like one of the best Lex Luger promos I've ever heard, which isn't maybe hasn't saying that much, but um, <laughs> how do you feel it's about not- Lex Luger? It's a
0: great question i mean to be fair like you said the bar isn't so high it's not as high as Rey Mysterio jumped in the previous matches it but um yeah i mean lex is a is an interesting one because he he's someone that should have been the guy i remember when i started right. watching wrestling and i i was a fan of lex because he had like you know the look of what was a world champion he, he in in ring the torture rack and his moveset was 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 pretty decent um but Obviously, when you look at his run in WWF at the time in 93, 94, I completely soured on Lex. I don't know if it's just the fact they Mm. forced him down my throat or whatever it was. But, I mean, even coming to WCW, he felt instantly in 95, he felt like he was kind of like the Lex that, you expected to see kind of like with the, you know, he won his, his world title match and stuff and the stale down with Hogan, all that stuff at the beginning, which, Mm -hmm. you know, I think plays into Halloween Havoc 95, but obviously we go into 96 where Sting and Luger, like you say, become the team. They, they run with the tag team titles, kind of just keep them hostage. It feels for a long time, but uh, Luger does the same with the TV title, if I'm not mistaken. He has that thing for ages. And I don't think you ever (laughs) see him, how he won it, how he loses it, anything. Um, But um, at the same time, like he's, He's a guy that should be the guy, but for some reason, something is off and I don't quite, it's one of the things I've never quite been able to put my finger on what is wrong with Lex Luger.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, um, I mean, Lex Luger, he was a little bit before my time or I was, I mean, I was a WWF kid and I started watching in like 99. So I I didn't really get Lex in, uh, in live action, but going back and watching because I started this timeline 94. So I was watching WWF right off with this main event or not even main event at WrestleMania 10 against Yokozuna. And that initially kind of like you kind of soured me on Lex Luger and his, his run in general and WWF was very, to your point, I mean, kind of just they were trying to make him the next Hogan and it was very blatantly obvious. Mm-hmm. But when he came over to WCW, it was like, okay, he's kind of just a guy now. He's kind of has his own persona about him. And I was like, at this point, starting to get kind of behind him. Even with this promo, I was like, hell yeah, Lex, let's go get him!" But then the match, we'll talk about the match, but I'll say this. It wasn't the the best follow up, I guess, to this promo. But no, No. um, but before that, we got uh, we got the shark. John Tenta versus Big Bubba, a.k.a. Big Boss Man, a.k.a. The Guardian Angel, a.k.a. The Boss, a.k.a. Ray Trailer, a.k.a. I don't know. Any other gimmicks come
0: to mind? (laughs) Forgot to shower looks like to be wonderful yes. on this show. He's
1: I'm I'm very puzzled by uh his getup here. He's a new member of the Dungeon of Doom, so I guess his his idea of a Dungeon of Doom member was to be like a biker with a silly hat.
0: <laughs> Felt like it, yeah. It's a bit it's a bit random. I mean, one thing I will say first off, um I have two positive things to say about Big Bubba and John Tenter. Oh boy. Yeah, believe it or not. The first one is John Tenter the dedication to the storyline. The -hmm. man has half of his head haircut or shaved or whatever, and is sporting the other half as long as it was, as you all picture Earthquake, he has got half of his head like that and half of it not. So credit to him for keeping Mm -hmm. that for however long he did so. Compliment number two is I enjoyed their match at the next pay-per-view a lot more than I have ever had the right to be. So that's something to say to you that maybe to look forward to, or you can turn around and say, I don't know what he was drinking that day. Clearly not the same as me. (laughs) Uh, But one thing's for sure, this, I just wondered who they annoyed because it's like to be put in between the two arguably best matches of the night or two Mm. most, you know, spectacular with the cruiserweight action, spectacular with the idea of a false count anywhere match where anything can happen to then snap in the middle. It's almost like being told, you can't have too many nice things. Here's John Tenta and Big Bubba. That's right. kind of like the vibe I get with this.
1: Yeah, I guess they're trying to vary the type of match, but yeah, it's hard. It's a hard follow, and it'll def- the next match will make you forget about this one too. But yeah, like you said, John Tenta no longer the shark. He's been kicked out of the dungeon of doom. And Big Bubba has uh, slid right into his spot, and uh Big Bubba they had a fight on Nitro in the weeks leading up to this. And at one point, Big Bubba shaved half of his head uh, of John Tenta's head. So now he looks like a silly goose with only half of his hair, which I feel like today is kind of like a style. I feel like people just do that on purpose nowadays. But <laughs> um, but John Tenta he keeps it like that so he can remember every day when he sees and when he looks in the mirror, he remembers that Big Bubba cut his hair so. John Tenta's out here, because uh, he's he was a legit like you know sumo wrestler back in the day. He's a shooter. He can he can go. So he's kind of leaning into that a little bit. But the match itself, I mean, it was just two big guys wrestling each other. You know, your clubbing blows, your splashes in the corner. There was one point where um, Big Bubba goes up to the top rope. He leaps off for a cross body, and John Tenta catches him, which was very impressive ends up ends up power slamming him, and uh that gives him the win so john tenta gets the win and then uh jimmy hart who had a pair of scissors who i guess they were prepared to cut the rest of john tenta's hair uh tenta grabs the scissors and cuts a little bit of bubba's beard which i'm sure was very uh um i'm sure he didn't like that very much so it, it can't grow <laughs> back apparently so
0: no. uh awful i mean you know if you can't cut the hair go for the beard apparently that's that, that that's getting even um yeah I, I don't know like you said the the finish of the match was was decent i just think that's why it was very sudden i think it was something else that kind of didn't help it felt like they were finally getting a bit of chemistry together because they're the two yeah. actually fairly decent workers for their time period i mean earthquake i was thought was was actually quite agile for a big man was was decent enough mm-hmm. uh boss man has, has had some good matches in this time obviously had some maybe not so good matches as well but i don't know the the just the positioning, the timing, something wasn't right with this. And obviously, yeah. storyline-wise as well, I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe I, I don't see why they'd want to cut the rest of the hair off. You're probably improving the look as well. So I'd keep tend to exactly how he is, personally. I wouldn't have gone for
1: more. Right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bubba, I mean, he had this beard. He just had, like, the pointed, like, triangle beard, and they just cut the tip of it. So now mm. he just has a normal beard. So, but... Is, so bash at the beach is that the was like a roll of quarters on a pole match or something
0: it's something like that there is a wacky stipulation to it which it does escape my brain at the moment but um is, yeah is it something on a pole I, I think pra- so i think it could be the roll of quarters i think that that seems to ring a bell now that you say it um right. and uh, yeah to to be fair i don't know without giving too much away Ray and Dean Malenko is an unbelievable, easy four-star match. Mm-hmm. Ray Mysterio's match kicks off Bash of the Beach, and I would argue that I'd even put it as close to a five-star. It's unbelievable, really? his match, the kick off of the show. So, so I'm, like, on a, I'm on a natural high anyway, and that yeah, match is yeah. second.
1: So that might have something to do with it. I don't know. Yeah. It's all about the pacing of the show, man. That could really influence... Uh, matches, but I actually have seen that show. It's been a while. Um, does Ray face Hoovitude uh, Psychosis. 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 I don't really remember much about the match, but I'm looking forward to revisiting that. And yeah, the, the John Tenta Bubba match from that show. All I remember is the hilariously tall pole, like mm. so unnecessarily tall that like none of these guys are going to climb it. I think Jimmy Hart ends up climbing it or whatever. But yeah, uh, yeah, just more gold to come from these two or three, I guess um so we're backstage let me tell you i mean mean gene with uh kevin green steve mongo mcmichael and each of their wives i mean just a couple football players yelling at the camera i'm sure this got you uh all hot and bothered right i
0: think i switched off for this i i genuinely <laughs> there was so much noise going on i yeah. like to try and dissect to primo but um
1: yeah, I, I, there wasn't anything for me to take away from this that was positive. We'll dissect this. Kevin Green says that he's coming hard and he's coming heavy. <laughs> Thoughts?
0: As, as our truth once said, that
1: ain't PG. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong there. But speaking of PG, we got some pretty great guys here. Uh, Falls count anywhere match. Chris Benoit. Versus Kevin <laughs> Sullivan, just just reading the, the matchup is just bizarre to me. Um, falls count anywhere. And and it's they played to the gimmick. I will say this. I mean, they spent very little time in the ring. I think it was only like the, the pinfall pretty much, which I feel like the fall should have not been in the route, whatever. Um, but we, we we talked about, you know, the horsemen, the D.O.D. Drama, um, they've been at odds. Benoit and Sullivan have. Um, so Sullivan's kind of he thinks he's going to run off Benoit like he did Pillman. So uh, starts off hot in the aisle way as it should, you know, we're fighting around the ring. We're fighting in the crowd. It's false count anywhere. So the match can end at any point. Although I don't think anyone ever went for a pinfall outside of the ring, if, unless I'm misremembering. <laughs> um, but I mean, this, the, the I would say the bulk of this match occurs in the men's bathroom, uh, which kind of looked like a clean bathroom. Do you think they cleaned that up in preparation for this match? <laughs> when i go to a, when i go to a bathroom especially at a sporting event like this my meant that the, the urinals are clogged the toilets are clogged there's toilet paper there's brown liquid all over the floor somebody's diapers getting changed on the sink it seemed like it was pretty you know
0: I mean, I've got to give you props for half-season journalism. I mean, to be fair, to take all the the detail out of there and and actually pinpoint, because I think you're right. This has definitely been cleaned beforehand. There's no two ways about it. I feel sorry for the poor sausage that's probably, because this match is like an hour of like 20 minutes into the show. It's Uh a perfect time where if you've had one or two beverages waiting for the show to start, you've sat through some of the matches. You probably thought you should have gone during John Tenta versus Big Bubba, but you thought, (laughs) I'm going to hold on a bit because i don't want to miss anything from this show and you think i can't wait any longer i need to go to the bathroom and you're making your way there and all of a sudden i mean to be fair you're on pay-per-view fantastic but you've, you've got chris benoit and kevin sullivan battling through it uh literally going into every what they go into every urinal every sort of cubicle as well that they can get into it's it's a bit
1: of a it's a bit of a weird time if you're standing at a urinal you know having a number one and Mm. kevin sullivan and benoit are fighting right next to you do you finish or do you turn and pee on them that's the question for for, for defense right if nothing else for defense
0: that that's a way that's that's your way of trying to keep them away from you if they don't go away from after that it's their own
1: fault kevin sullivan i feel like would just embrace it (laughs) something about the look of that guy um but yeah all the stalls I mean Benoit takes a really stiff shot with one of the doors to the head which uh, yeah. oh. in hindsight maybe is not the nicest thing to see but um that's what happens here and mm. uh they, they kind of trade shots at the stall doors Sullivan hits him with a brutal shot with the toilet paper rolls which <laughs> look, they were full rolls so they were probably pretty heavy right so um I don't know. Any any like particular part. Like the bathroom and the hallways and the crowd, any part of this match kind of catch your eye?
0: Um, yeah, I mean obviously the the bathroom spot is is kind of probably the highlight of the match. I mean they they this is something that becomes like the running gag through every time they face it feels after this. I feel like I see this spot like it all rolls into one. But where you mentioned Dusty was a bit of a distraction in, in um a match earlier <laughs> night. He is quite a distraction in this match. Um, the point where he's like, "There's a lady in the men's bathroom." Uh, <laughs> he's so bothered by it; he literally doesn't drop it at all. Um, like, I don't know, but not to take away from the action, that there, there is some good stuff. You mentioned there the 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 use of the doors from from the cubicles. Um, that that's quite an impressive spot. And obviously, I do I do like the spot that's used for the finish of the match. Although, at the same time, I'm not sure it's. Necessary either to deliver the move they wanted to do because we've seen it done many times without a table involved. But I digress. It still, it still is quite a quite a good looking spot.
1: Superplexes hurt more if delivered off of a table. There Steve. we go. That's, I think that... it's it's logic. You know, it's like giving a Walls of Jericho on top of an announced table hurts more than if it there was not. So it's really just it's really just the math when you think about it. But uh yeah, they fight back to the ring eventually. A uh, table gets introduced. Benoit sets the table up on on the top rope, like in the corner, flat, and uh, ends up superplexing Kevin Sullivan off of this table. Which, to your point, maybe I mean it's it, maybe an inch more height the table yeah. gives you. So uh, that was that was what did it. So Benoit gets the win with that superplex, and um, that brings it to an end. Uh, then we got some shenanigans at the end. I mean, the match itself I thought was you know. It was fine. It was it, it was very different than anything else we saw on this show. Um, I Part think they made the, the most out period. of it. Yeah, for sure. But um, I would say the real story maybe is what happens after the match. Arn Anderson comes out, who, like we mentioned earlier, has kind of been in the middle. He's a, he's a horseman, but he's trying to mend fences with the Dungeon of Doom comes out here. You think is he he rips Benwell off Sullivan because Benoit keeps on beating them after the match. But then Arn just joins in with Benoit, Stomp Sullivan, four horsemen are unified, they're together, they're not with the Dungeon of Doom, and the crowd goes bonkers for this. So, I mean, whatever we think about this, I mean, I thought it was fine for what it is, but I guess the crowd was super invested in the horsemen and in this feud with the Dungeon of Doom. So, um, it seemed like a success from, from my eyes, from just how the crowd reacted. Very much so. I mean,
0: like it was a it was a hot story. I mean, the the problem with it and the problem with the booking of WCW obviously is, as the show goes on, Arn Anderson is in a match not long afterwards right. and is a heel. So it's kind of like it, it, it doesn't. There is a bit of flip flopping when it comes to the storytelling. So it's a bit weird in one way because Benoit is clearly a babyface. Against Sullivan in the match, it's kind of like the Horsemen are baby faces when it comes to people like Dungeon and Doom. But when we actually want to take on your American football players, they are they are dastardly heels. But uh, at the same time, though, like you say, this this clearly was a a story that were looking to um, make an impact, and they did that. They, they mm-hmm. got the reaction they wanted, and I do think it was a very well done spot because obviously Arn, you know, he he kind of pulled Benoit away for a second, kind of looked like, well, what's he doing? Is he kind of going to say like, well, you may have won the match, but you've not proven yourself here or whatever for whatever mm-hmm. reason, but to to then show that, you know, they are united and that uh, Benoit is is one of the four horsemen. Of course, they, they didn't go to to go backstage and Mean Gene kind of shows his face once again, doesn't he?
1: <laughs> Can't get enough of Mean Gene. He has to get the scoop. Um but yeah to your point after the match they're mean jeans in the, the horseman locker room I guess so you got Ric Flair, uh Bobby Heenan, who's gonna be managing him later in the show, and then you got woman and Miss Elizabeth, and then uh Arn Anderson and Benoit walk in the frame because they just they're walking from the ring right before this. So um and Arn Anderson's basically like, yeah, Benoit, he earned his stripes tonight. The horsemen are united. Um, I don't know. It made the faction feel legitimate to me. I mm. mean, because if Horseman is obviously a time-tested faction, but with the, this iteration, initially with Pillman and Benoit, Pillman leaves, but Benoit's still there. It was kind of in a like in a state of flux for a bit. It's like, is it like a legit thing, or is or are we just trying to slap a Horseman logo on this guy? But Benoit seems like a legitimate part of it now. And I think, if nothing else, is this, this, that match put him over, and he would go on to do what he would do. So, um, but. Me and Gene, uh, we get a Ric Flair promo, which is exactly what you expect. A lot of yelling, a lot of woo, a lot of ha, you know, a lot of that uh, women, champagne, all that stuff. But before that, we got the match that is, uh, again, like you said, the reason you're here. We got America versus Europe. We got Sting versus Lord Steven Regal. So uh I mean it's the great American bash. You gotta have an American stomp, a foreigner, a dirty foreigner. So get him out of here, but <laughs> and it's this this whole feud is basically, you know, Regal. He he just walked into Sting's locker room. He was like, hey, let me talk to you something, and then he just backhands him. He's disrespected Sting on Nitro and Sting's looking for revenge. That's a very simple story. Um but otherwise, the match itself, I think it had its moments. Again, I think there was just too much kind of just dead air, maybe. I don't know. What you, do you think of this one? I think it's kind of the,
0: around the time period of how a lot of these wrestlers would be. Obviously, Regal mm-hmm. is... I didn't appreciate winning Regal as much growing up as I do now. And obviously, watching Same. his run, I suppose, even through like... When he started in wcw back in 93 like he was always this uh time limit draw guy he kind of had the i I think it was the united states championship could have been the television championship but again could have been it would make more sense with the us title but probably it was a tv title uh and always was that guy that kind of would have those 15 minute matches but make sure that the draws were there he kind of always had where he could stretch people and and have good technical wrestling but it involved a lot of rest periods and i think that that always made matches seem a bit longer than what they are Mm -hmm. And I think that, that was probably that could have been an argument of an issue here. But from an actual um move on move basis with with both of these guys, they actually put together a solid match. There actually was good stuff in this one. Particularly as it got to the 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 latter third, if you want, the final part. Um I yeah. was waiting for a cameo there. <laughs> um but um no, literally like when it, when it comes to that final third, uh, that's when I felt like, obviously, the tempo's raised, things making the comeback. Uh, but I, I, I like the fact that, that William Regal, Lord Stephen Regal, uh, got his showcase, because that's, that's kind of what I felt like. We, we talked about earlier on in the evening where Conan had his moment, DDP had his moment. I felt like Lord Stephen Regal was that guy that, as I mentioned, 93, going into 94, was was being presented as someone who would be potentially a future world champion. there a lot of hype on this guy. And obviously... I think they run out of things of what to do with him, so he end up being in mm. the tag team with the Blue Bloods. Bobby Eaton was a part of the Blue Bloods for some reason at one point. Yeah. Defected. I think it's um, there at this point, yeah, yeah, absolutely. god save the Queen and all that uh, at that point. Anyway, uh but um yeah, it's it's a it's a bit of a weird one, but obviously Regal here. This is this is his chance to break out once again, and obviously commentary do a, an interesting job of of making reference of Sting's hair. Not that hair should really matter, uh, but obviously mm. he'd been the bleach blonde for a long time. And obviously he'd recently then gone to the uh, the brown hair, rather it's and it was a bit longer. And it was kind of like, the this is the talk of the locker room and stuff like that. I just kind of feel like when it comes to the result of the match, in a way they got it right. Because like you said, of course the Americans should win. But mm-hmm. this is a period where... Steven Regal potentially could get himself to the next level. And of course, sometimes wrestlers get over in defeat. We've seen it many times before in many sure. different circumstances. Jeff Hardy, Undertaker being one just springs to mind off the top of my head. Um, but um, I, I do feel that Sting was rumored to be the third guy at one point, and it was going to be the third mm. guy. And I wondered if that commentary line was the sign of everyone's talking about it. Like, it was Sting really still at this point in the conversation? Was he going to be the guy that was going to be the third guy? And if that's the case, if he was going to turn on WCW, was it the right thing in him winning? Because for someone then to turn heel or turn his back on the company, you should have reasons to do so because things aren't going right. Maybe Mm -hmm. a loss of the tag titles, maybe a loss here at this show when he was representing his country and didn't get the job done. Maybe it worked long term because Sting wasn't the third guy. It wasn't (laughs) him in the end. So perhaps it's the right thing in hindsight, but at the same time, if he was going to be the third guy and you're looking to make a new star in Lord Steven Regal to move him up pecking order, this was the wrong result. But at the same mm-hmm. time, I did think it was a decent match.
1: Yeah, no, that's a good point. The third guy, um, element of it, because I mean, he was, he fought for the world title at the last pay-per-view and was screwed out of it. And him and Luger have been having their beefs, but they kind of reconciled. So it is a good question. It seems like, Sting's all, all like staying at this point is kind of in a spot of. I don't want to say directionless, but um, is curious. I'm, I'm wondering if they know who that third guy is at this point or if they don't, or maybe if it's uh if it's Mabel at this point, perhaps, <laughs> who knows? <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I, I agree. The match is solid. Um, I mean, Regal and is like, like you. It took me a while to really appreciate Regal. And like this is mannerisms, like his facial expressions mm. His just knack to be just hated, you know, whether what, whatever he's, whether it's actions or what he's saying. Um, he's jaw jacking with the crowd at some point. I mean, the, he's an easy guy to just yell things that. Hmm. Um, but yeah, this is quick burst If this match felt like it quick bursts at the beginning and the end. Um, and towards the end, Sting explodes with a clothesline, a shoulder block. Um, goes for something off the top rope, but Regal counters into a uh, a double arm suplex off the top rope, which is pretty, uh, pretty nice looking. But then ultimately, Sting just kind of feels like out of nowhere, just kind of just has another comeback, a few more clotheslines, and then just locks in the Scorpion Deathlock for the quick tap out, which this match, I guess, served what it, it sought out to do. Like you said, Regal getting this spotlight was nice to see because he had have he have he has had the uh, I think it was the US title um a run with it where like you said he was having time limit draws with like johnny b bads and uh maybe dustin Rowe i don't remember it was maybe like a year before this but ever since then he's just been a guy in the blue blood so it was nice to see him branch out as a singles guy here but um but the american conquers the dirty foreigner which is probably ultimately the only reason this was on the card which i'm fine with because you know revolutionary war and all that but you've got to um, tell the story You've Damn, got to play exactly. to
0: the ho- you've got to play to the hometown crowd. You've got USA. to do it, USA,
1: USA. I was surprised there's no Hacksaw Jim Duggan on this card. To be honest, oh, you'd have loved that. No, I would not have. But- no. <laughs> <laughs> we got uh, we got a close second here. We got NFL versus WCW. We got a tag team match on our hands here. We got the team of Steve Mongo McMichael and Kevin Green of the Carolina Panthers uh taking on rick flair and Arn anderson and i mean this damn near feels like a lumberjack match because you know the football players they got their wives they got randy savage as their coach they got and then the horsemen they got bobby heenan's their coach they got miss elizabeth they got woman a lot of moving parts here um we Kind of talked about it earlier. It's probably just uh, an effort to uh branch out to get some outside eyes on WCW. Perhaps that worked because we're approaching the uh the boom period of WCW, but um, outside of that, the build here is that Ric Flair, I mean, he's just collecting other people's wives basically. Mm. He's got Macho Man's ex wife and uh Kevin Sullivan's wife, I, th- I believe, at this point. Um, and then he wants Deborah McMichael, obviously the wife of. Mongo McMichael. But Debra has been hesitant. Steve McMichael feels offended. He's like, hey, baby, you go keep your hands on my wife, baby. And then he finds his football buddy, Kevin Green, and they're going to go and tackle them on the gridiron, I think. So, um, but I mean, this match, I mean, you know, celebrities, athletes coming into wrestling, it's always a hit or miss thing. I feel like they they didn't... um, I feel like they kind of play to their strengths in this one. Mm. They didn't try to do too much. They didn't try to do too much, you know, wrestling. Um, A little pre-match gator roll by the football players just crouching in front of each other and then rolling, which is a choice. Uh, Whatever. whatever Is it even sports entertainment? I'm not sure. (laughs) But, um, I mean, I guess the story of this match is, you know, like Mongo, for, for example, he, he like does like a three-point stance and then like, and then shoulder blocks Arn, but then he tries to do it again. And then Arn counters into a drop toe hold, so he's using the wrestling to counteract the football tomfoolery. Um, but, I mean, I feel like this match was fine for what it was. Obviously, there's a lot of shenanigans that <laughs> come at the finish, but what do you think about the match itself?
0: There's actually quite a lot more positives out from this match watching it another time around. I remember watching it the first time and it kind of... For the match was okay, like you said, they kind of played to the NFL's guys' strengths rather than mm-hmm. – which is what you need to do. I, I, that's why I was, I was a big fan of ECW and Paul Heyman. He always made sure to, you know, highlight someone's star potential and hide those weaknesses, That which is pretty much the opposite of what Vincent McMahon did in the 10s, literally, the 2010s. It was like, no, nope, you're weak at that. Let's show everybody. Yeah. Um <laughs> That's why you're not getting over. Um, but uh, yeah, at the same time, like when when you look at this match, here I, I think that they they told a good story. And what I would say is is that the commentary actually did the job really well in this match. They mm-hmm. told they 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 gave away the finish at the start, which I thought was really good because you have to catch it on commentary. But at the, at the beginning of the match, of obviously yep. going and talking about Mongo McMichael's NFL career, why he joined the rival team of the Chicago Bears, which this slipped my mind at this particular time because I'm not a yeah. massive NFL fan.
1: Green Bay Packers.
0: There you go. And why did he do so? For the money. So that's that's very clever they said that at the start there. I like the fact that they really made uh, the idea of like Dusty saying, you know, you got well, you gotta go crazy. You gotta go crazy. I can't do a Dusty. I'll, I'll give a go at much in my. I, I I do much of my much better I think than Dusty, but um
1: <laughs> Dusty I don't know I try and do it with the with, with the talk when I told like this and I don't know if I'm doing that good <laughs> or not. British people trying to do an American accent always makes me laugh. Exactly, exactly. Okay, Macho Man might be better. I'm not sure. Yeah, what do, do you think Macho Man thought of this match?
0: Well, I think he was more interested in the advertisement side of things. He was like, "You need a little excitement." Snap it to a slim gym. Oh yeah. Okay. That's solid. That's solid. I don't mind. I it. that. Throat hurts now. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah. Um not to be fair, like they Dusty was all over the place again, but the, he was kind of explaining the idea of like what they need to do. He was almost like the coach from afar, but they mm-hmm. really played up how Bobby Heenan as well had played his role into the match of using the horsemen to play to, let, let the NFL guys feel they they play to their strengths, but use it as their, exploit, as their weakness as well into the match. So I like the fact that they threw the credit Heenan's way. I like the fact that they, kind of showed the fact of the novices of, of the NFL players, but kind of tried to build them up as credible threats and mm-hmm. how they use the experience of the horsemen to deliver that as the story of the match. Commentary actually made this another level up than what it would be if, in my opinion, if you're watching it live, but of course, when you watch something live, um, I suppose if you're watching it with a mute button, because live, you've got the buzz and everything in person, but uh, I do think that they, they had an extra layer to this.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, the story was being told from the, the start of the match, like you said, but yeah, um... You know, Yeah. Michael McMichael, Kevin Green. I mean, this is both of their debuts uh, as wrestlers. I thought Kevin Green looked pretty solid. I mean, for obviously his first match, he, he mm. looked like a wrestler. He's a big guy. He didn't. He wasn't doing, you know, tope suicidas. He wasn't doing the complex chain wrestling type deals. He was just a lot of yelling, a lot of yeah jumping and running and clotheslines and shoulders. Which, look, that's all you need from a football player. And I thought he he played that part perfectly. Agreed. Um, At some point, the match kind of breaks down. Well, First of all, before that, there's one spot where uh, Mongo puts Ric Flair in a figure four. And then Kevin Green hops the top rope, stops Arn Anderson from breaking it up, and then locks him in a figure four. So we got two figure fours going on at the same time, which crowd loved it. I loved it. I mean, it made me cackle. I don't know why. It was just so silly watching two football players put a figure four on one of the most (laughs) legendary factions of all time. But Whatever. I loved it. But at some point, um, it was actually after that figure four woman rakes the eyes of, um, I believe it's Kevin of Mongo. And then the football players, wives, uh, Deborah and Tara, I believe her name was. Mm. They they get in the face of woman and Miss Elizabeth. And then basically woman and Elizabeth, they run the wives to the backstage area and they're all gone. Later in the match, Benoit comes out. Horse member with the horseman with Rick and Orn starts brawling with brawling with Macho Man because Macho's starting to get involved, attacking Flair a little bit. As all of this is breaking down, Deborah comes back out Before before she left, she was wearing a bear's jacket, just normal clothes, comes back out wearing a full on gown, a sparkly gown to match the women that she's walking down with woman and Miss Elizabeth. So now she is with them and she's carrying a briefcase she comes she has the briefcase mongo sees her, and she shows mongo the briefcase she opens it and there's a horseman t-shirt in there and a vague amount of money it seems like a lot of money i don't know how much money it was but deborah's like look you gotta join them and then we're gonna take the money or however she talks so mongo's like yeah good point so With no questions asked, takes the briefcase, (laughs) smashes Kevin Green with it, and then Ric Flair pins him. So I thought in this, like you said, goes back to the beginning. Commentary is like, yeah, Mongo is really persuaded by money. He left his home team to go play for the rivals because that's all he cares about is money. And then here we are tying the loop. Still, all he cares about is money, even in pro wrestling. So I liked the finish as silly as it was. It made sense in the story and now Mongo is the fourth member of the Four Horsemen, which there was only three of them before. I always thought that was very silly. So yeah. now we got Four Horsemen, and Kevin Green and Macha Man are laid out with the briefcase, and everyone else stands tall. So I thought it was just a good scene, and I thought it played out pretty well for what it was.
0: Yeah, the story um, played nicely in the whole match of what they wanted to do, and I think that they, they got a good conclusion. And like you said, this was... This was building the horsemen up to complete them once again in a time where, you know, this is kind of a, it would wouldn't I be right in saying that it's, it's almost like a, a horseman kind of place as well, where they, 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 you know, Baltimore, Maryland is where a lot of big yeah. stuff is happening for WCW over the years. So I imagine it's part of their territory. So to have them uh, solidified as this group that's united and for once again, probably was a good placement for this show, especially when you know what's coming ahead. Like we, we know that the NWO is going to happen, so you need kind of those groups at full force if they're mm-hmm. going to be with them or against them. Uh, you know how it's going to go down. So yeah, I, I think that this was this was a good thing. The only thing, as I say, that that doesn't connect so well for me is the idea that two matches earlier they're being cheered as the top baby faces of, of, of the night, almost with the you know on right. and signing with Benoit, and then obviously at the end of this they're being almost booed out of the building. But obviously that this this hill run, I don't i don't think it lasts so long but still it's uh it's it's Mm -hmm. good all in all and it it connects all the dots like you say the storyline has been almost been mapped out for quite a while and uh, with rick and his desires so um yeah i think that everything here comes to a a natural conclusion
1: yeah no agreed yeah definitely solidifying the four horsemen and with the nwo coming you got to have all those uh solidified factions so it makes sense on that end um and yeah with the stuff with yeah, the dungeon and the horsemen before this, I feel like it was just two heels facing off. And the crowd just happened to like one heel better, which I don't know if they anticipated the reaction they got earlier. But mm-hmm. um, it is what it is. But mongos in the four horsemen. So we're off to the races there, I guess. Um, but boy, howdy. After that, <laughs> we got all Eric Bischoff is on stage. How could this possibly go wrong? <laughs> He's uh, so we're fresh off the heels. Off of the Nitro debuts of Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. I don't think they've actually been named at this point. They Mm -hmm. are just, uh, you know, outsiders is what they would go by. Um, And up to this point, they have been portraying like WWF contracted wrestlers. Everyone listening probably knows the deal. But, you know, WWF guys that coming into WCW to take over but I believe, and you might have more insight to this. I think there was like a cease and desist type of thing th- thrown out there by WWF. Like, Hey, you guys, you can't claim that these guys work for us cause they don't. Mm. So this was like an effort like Eric Bischoff asks, asks each of them, Hey, do you work for WWF? And they both have to say no. I'm sure it was like legal ramifications, but um, I mean, I know you're, you were kind of not super into WCW at this point, but were you familiar with the storyline and did you think it was legitimate at the time?
0: so going back to me as a child the child but yeah as a a younger version of myself um Mm -hmm. that it would be when hogan already joined that was the kind of eye-opener was like hogan's a bad guy right i didn't like him as a good guy so i was like well maybe i will be interested in this so that made me want to, to to switch the channel and see what was going on but um I'm with you, really. I look at a lot of this stuff looking backwards. And, um, yeah, I believe a lot of what you're saying is accurate with the cease and desist stuff. And I think that um, it's a good way to do it as well because you're you're doing it, these hard-hitting, big questions on pay-per-view as well. So it's kind of like mm. people get that information. Not only have they they've done the job, but uh, everyone had to pay $50 to hear it. And for the ones that didn't, well, they've done the job and people can still think it if they want to when it comes to Nitro the next night for the ones that didn't pay for it. So kind of it's a win-win for WCW the way they do it.
1: Yeah, because way way more people are watching Nitro than the pay-per-view, I would Mm. assume, right? So that makes sense. Um, But after that, they... Look, we got the big Mang, the medium-sized Mang, and our surprise buddy. You have that that sound bite that every NWO documentary you see, and that's this moment here. And they proceed... To, uh, well, Eric Bischoff first. He says, Yeah, we're going to accept your challenge. And there's going to be a six man tag at Bash at the Beach. And then Scott Hall responds to this by right hooking Eric Young, or uh, Eric Young, Eric Bischoff, been watching too much TNA lately, (laughs) (laughs) punches Eric Bischoff. And then Kevin Nash powerbombs him off the stage through a table looked pretty gnarly I mean it was it looked very dramatic and the way like even commentary reacted like Tony Schiavone left the booth to go check on him and then Dusty Rhodes was all shooken up kind of had a weird tone after I don't know if this is like the right move to lead into the main event because I feels like this is like the highlight here um but I, at the same time I don't know if you end the pay-per-view with this I don't know but yeah I don't know what, what did you make of this whole segment here it's a it's when you look
0: back at it it's a brilliant segment it's uh builds up everything it needs to with, with the pieces and obviously it's a, you know that these guys obviously are under contract so to have them involved on a pay-per-view is a must if if they'd have done this show about hall and Nash appearing it would have been a big letdown and obviously the yeah. way they build this up now to know that you you almost know i mean i have to see of the beach because you need to know who the next the other member is going to be you need to know who they're going to face and obviously they they said they're going to tell that the next night on nitro which is why they got majorly annoyed and did the spot the spot's Mm -hmm. done really really well bischoff does take it like a hero um to be fair to him and um yeah i mean like you said it's it's sold very well it does take the air out of the arena it does not help the main event whatsoever (laughs) um i have another theory of why i think the main event may not have done as well maybe as it could have done either but we'll come into that in a few minutes but um when you look at this uh, you said that in one way it's in the perfect position because it's so near the end of the pay-per-view it's mm. to the point that everybody's going to be talking about it afterwards that, that's where it's like wow, well, this has happened nitro if they had done this earlier in the evening would this have sucked the air out of half of the show we'll never know but right. um i do feel to myself that i'm picking on i'm picking on big Bubba and john Tenta tonight i don't mean oh, to uh, <laughs> but that should have followed this yeah it's an even worse spot to be involved but this is something that i think even even wwf and uh you know wwe whatever you want to call them like you know, shows are very different now to what they were then. Then it was like you have your curtain jerker undercard, you have the people that barely make the show, and you build it up. You go from worst to best, and that's how you do your show. These days it's kind of like you have one of your best matches at the start, one of your best matches in the middle, your best match in the main event. You make sure that the toilet breaks are match. say the seven matches on the card, match two and match six are filler. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's where you go and have your bathroom breaks or you go get your popcorn or whatever you want to do. And it's like this could have done with a bathroom break match after just so the crowd can have that feeling and then be heated up again for the main event. But um, yeah, it's, it's a very good segment. It's very well put together. I get why they put it where they put it, because obviously long-term, the big picture is not the giant versus Lex Luger, regardless of whether no. that main event had been five star or not. Um, so they they did the right thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I would agree. And it, it's almost, maybe they just didn't have faith in the main event. So they're like, they almost, I don't want to say they viewed it as a filler match, but it kind of felt like it in a way. And that's, mm-hmm. that's where we're at now. The main event, we got the WCW heavyweight title on the line. We got the champion, the giant, defending against Lex Luger. Um, a follow up from the previous pay per view where Sting and the giant, uh, fought for the world title. Now we got Sting's partner, uh, Lex, having a go since Sting couldn't do it. But, um, yeah, but I just, so the build here, I mean, it's not much of a build. Uh, Giant choke slammed Lex Luger through a table on Nitro, which at the, at the time was a very uh, vicious spot. You didn't really see that a lot. So mm. um, they're playing into that. Also, <clears throat> Giant and Sting, their match at the last pay-per-view, ended with the whole thing where um, Luger and Jimmy Hart were fighting for the, the megaphone on the apron, then it slips out of their hands, and the megaphone hits Sting, and that's what leads to Sting losing. So this is kind of like, OK, well, now Lex gets his shot, I guess. But the match itself, I just I, I just don't think this was a good match. It was maybe a clash of styles. Maybe it's, you know, Lex Luger being the plucky underdog kind of component of this match. Didn't really suit his style. Um, they spend the whole match kind of building to, you know, can Lex get him up in the rack? And he kind of does at some point, but it kind of leads to his downfall and kind of an abrupt finish. But i don't know what, what did you make of this one
0: so my other feeling that i felt that didn't help this was the fact it's such a short main event i wonder if they were overrunning in this show in other areas so that they had to take time off of this match this match only goes about 11 minutes which i don't yeah. think is uh ever a good sign for a world title match on your on your show unless your superstar is very limited i know that the giant at this point was fairly green but yeah I, my other point that i would say is just like you said that the story of the match is kind of hulk versus on hulk hogan versus andre the giant style in from the 80s it's 1987 mm-hmm. and we're actually in 1996 when this takes place and we've seen the giant for the best part of about seven eight months and the giant is someone who let's be fair he, at that point was someone who was quite agile for a big guy he would mm-hmm. f- He'd fly around the ring and do drop kicks and stuff like that. He would. He would not just. I, I think he went off the top rope at one point as well in WCW, probably doing a yeah. drop kicks. I mean, the guy is shown he he's not that kind of one dimensional. Like this is what you have to do to beat him, kind of vibe. And I understand that if Lex is going to, Lex is a power wrestler, so that's why you need to do that. But this is where it kind of falls into the trap of what do you think of Lex Luger? Which is why actually this is a really good question you asked anyone, because Lex was supposed to be the next Hogan. And it just goes to show it in another match here, he's not the next Hogan because of the fact that Hogan had something, even though I wasn't a big fan of watching Hogan growing up because I always knew he'd win these matches and all the rest of it. I found it quite boring, predictable. But his hulking up and the way he did, he managed to, he knew how to get the crowd involved. Mm-hmm. The crowd, maybe from the segment before, doesn't help. A short main event, there was some clunky moments in this match as well, which doesn't help it. But it just felt like that this story was dare I say, even out of date, even though it makes sense for yeah. the time period, and it makes it makes sense now. If you do a, a smaller guy versus a giant in wrestling, that's the most realistic story you can do. Can he lift the giant up? Because that's kind of how it should be. In modern day wrestling, the giants go off their feet probably far too easy and far too quickly and don't sell it as a big deal. Um, but at the same time, this felt like that it was quite slow-paced, quite sluggish, and dare I say, it was quite 1987. I think that was the problem with it.
1: Yeah, no, I would agree. It was very formulaic in a sense. And like it's it's you know, the whole thing is is building to the rack attempt. And I feel like it just kind of came out of nowhere a little bit, and then there was no real follow-up. I guess what other follow-up could it be? Because you know, Giants in the corner, he gets at some point knocked like on the top rope, like laying prone on the top rope. He uh you know, Luger kicks him a little bit so that his he's basically his back is on the top rope, so he's facing the ceiling. So Essentially, he's in prime position to get the rack. You know, so Luger can just like basically like a barbell off a rack, just pick him up. Um, and he does pick him up. He walks back. He takes a few steps. But ultimately, uh, he crumbles under the weight of the giant and uh, giant kind of like lands on his head. And then he, he just picks him up and chokeslams him for the win. So I think maybe, yeah, they could have been pressed for time because it did, it did feel like an abrupt finish at the same time. I don't know really where else they could have gone with it um yeah to me it just felt like the drama wasn't there and like like you said there's other variables like the segment before this um the time they were given the story building up to it but um yeah it was kind of just a lukewarm way to end up pay-per-view in my opinion but mm-hmm. i don't know it was a showcase for the giant i guess because he spent most of this match just beating up on lex Um, And I know Lex, he he does, you know, get some steam later on. I think, is it this year? Maybe the next year when him and Hogan go at it. So 97 and to be fair, actually, Lex does. That's the best version of
0: Lex in WCW uh, for me is the spring, early summer parts of 97 and then. Mm -hmm. I think the wheels sort of fall off a bit around, is it Hogwild, Wild, whichever they choose for that year. I think that's when the wheels start to fall off. But um, yeah, I mean, they they do do a better job with him. I have a question for you, actually. Do you think that this show would have been better off of this match being the sub-main event and actually the NFL versus WCW should have been the main event instead?
1: Mm -hmm. That's a good question. I would probably say so. I mean, yeah. I'm trying to think because it ended with Mongo turning. Maybe, yeah, I would say that's, it probably had, m- had more personality that tag match mm. than did this match. But at the same time, I do understand having your world title in the main event, just the traditionalist in me. Absolutely. But, um. Either way, I think, you know, the Kevin Nash Scott Hall thing is going to, you know, be the thing people are talking about. So maybe ultimately it doesn't matter because people are going to tune into Nitro and see what's up with that anyways. So. True story. Oh no, man. Oh no. But that brings uh that brings Great American Bash 1996 to a close. Any other any other thoughts on this show? Anything we missed? I don't think we missed anything necessarily. I
0: think that we we hit all the bases. Obviously, there was an open question of mean Gene if he's on commission rather than an hourly rate. <laughs> but, um, he's making a
1: kill
0: not, if he is. He, absolutely. Um but I, for me I, I do think this is an enjoyable show overall. I think there is a for the time period, there was a lot of matches that are worth going and checking out. But obviously, that that middle part, as we've probably said since the start, I think the Ray versus Dean and the mm-hmm. Can't anywhere Benoit and Sullivan; those are the two must go and sees. If you if you like your your drama and your outside influence of celebrity, then uh, yeah, that tag team match also probably is worth a go. But um, all in all, I think this show is uh, I think it's worth people's time to go and check out. But obviously, um, there is another hot show just around the corner, and I think Bash of the Beach Hell. certainly is one to. Definitely keep an eye out for when, uh, when, uh, when, 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 when your next recording that it's definitely gonna be one that people must tune in for.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of weird watching this in hindsight because everybody kind of knows it's pretty much the springboard into the NWO of this show. So it's almost hard to like watch this show in a vacuum. But um, yeah, I agree with you. Like Dean Malenko and Rey Mysterio, I mean, they. I don't want to say they saved this show because there was some other good stuff on this show, but I think that's what really elevates it in my opinion. Definitely mm. the thing that's worthwhile and going back. watch it if nothing else but um but once again man i appreciate you making the time checking out some 1996 wrestling some wcw uh where can everybody find you and your lovely youtube channel and listen to you and uh give you all the likes and cuddles and kisses well so
0: i i'm definitely a cuddling kind of guy so certainly uh do get involved with everyone for that but uh, thank you for having me on um it's scw the wrestling channel on youtube and uh yeah literally I just talk a lot of wrestling. If you're into WWE, AEW, Impact, certainly it's a it's a place to, to come and hang out. I do live content quite regularly, whether it's questions and answers, whether it's predictions, reviews. Uh, I like to do, dabble in a bit of retro as well from time to time, whether it's uh, match watch-alongs or just going through certain shows as well. We'd definitely love to have you on for, for one of those in the future as well. Absolutely. you be down for that. Uh, and obviously I've done collaboration videos where I get a lot of YouTubers together to be involved in videos. And that's uh, where a lot of people might, might be able to find. Mind you on my content, uh whether yeah. it's uh best summer stamps, worst WrestleMania matches, stuff like that. So yeah, there's 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 lots of stuff for people to sink their teeth into. So I appreciate you having me on. Um it's always a fun time collaborating with you. You always do great work on this channel and uh, I always look forward to your reviews each and every week. So uh I just will say to to everyone whether they're they're watching, they're listening, whether they're maybe eavesdropping somewhere on someone else mm. listening in subscribe follow leave a good review honestly um you're doing great stuff here and uh yeah the apron bump it truly is the hardest part of the ring and it's uh, a must listen in the wrestling community oh i appreciate that
1: very much um yeah you'll see my big dumb face on your channel from time to time if you're willing to have me um yeah worst summer slam what was it like worst wrestlemania match best SummerSlam yeah. match you do a lot of good stuff a lot of unique stuff i love how you collaborate with other uh other channels and stuff like that so it's always good to see. Um, I don't know what, what do you, what do you think uh, what do you think Dusty Rhodes would have to say about uh, Great American Bash 1996? <laughs> Let's
0: see. Uh-oh. You say it was funky like a monkey. It was. Uh... No, I can't do that. <laughs> Once
1: again, thank you to Steve from SCW Wrestling Channel for joining me on this lovely, lovely Great American Bash. Figured I'd reach out to a Brit from Sweden to cover some american wrestling so uh go check out steve like i said in the in the uh in the intro puts out a ton of great content give him a subscribe give him a like give him a kiss on the cheek do all of those things and hey what else is there to do but hit that jingle bartholomew WCW, ECW, WWF, who's the hardest promotion, Eric or Vint or Paulie? I think we can agree though it's mostly shit. Alrighty then, time to grade this bad boy, time to see if WCW overtook anything um, over WWF or ECW at this point in time, June of... 16 of 1996 June of 16 June 16th 1996 so if you have not listened and or watched this before uh, which by the way this is on YouTube so I will be sharing my sharing my screen if you want to walk through this with me visually but if not if you're listening and if you're listening in audio land daddy will walk you through it as well so first things first before we get into anything else Let's grade this pay-per-view from a scale of S to F. S being the best, F being the worst, of course. So I'm thinking C at best, right? Because there is some good stuff on this show, but there's also a lot of bad on this show. Um, just The overall pace of this show was a bit off. Felt a bit off to me. Um, you did have Ray and Dean for the Cruiserweight title, which I think saved this show. Regal and Sting was fine. You have the opener of the Big Sweaty Men slapping meat was fine. So there was some redeemable stuff on this show, but this show overall felt very, felt like busy work. You know what I mean? It felt like, ah, oh, let's just get the show out of the way so we can go to bash at the Beach and do a real big show. So I'm thinking C. If if Dean and Ray wasn't on this show, it might be D territory. But um, man, does it deserve a D though? I'm gonna throw a C at it. I mean, because look, the, the the overall vibe of WCW is kind of on the upswing a little bit, right? Um, you got some interesting storylines with uh the the horsemen and the football players and all that stuff. You got some stuff cooking. You know, the outsiders are here, even though it's very early days. That's you know it, It's all fine. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw a C at this bad boy. So what does that mean? Well, we look and see which promotion has the highest average grade so far, and as of this moment, WWF has the uh. The highest score overall on average. So, that brings us to the overall scoreboard and as I said in the outset, WWF currently leading with 11 points, ECW with 10, WCW with 1. Now, I'll have you know whoever wins this at the end of the year, the ultimate winner, the hardest part of ring, the hardest part of the ring is going to purchase a championship belt of the company that wins. And as of right now, WWF is in the lead. But I foresee that not lasting too long. Um, Even though they do have the highest overall average pay-per-view grade. And they still maintain that. So they get six points for that. They maintain those six points, I should say. Uh, Best pay-per-view of the year. WrestleMania 12. I believe that's the only one with an A grade. So naturally... That is still the best of the year. Worst, still WCW Super Brawl, which I believe got an F, All right, Yeah, so um, no changes there. So WWF gets maintains their two points for the best pay-per-view. WCW holds on to their negative one for the worst pay-per-view of the year. Now, in-ring quality, just general in-ring, best overall. Currently tracking ECW as the best. And that's four points. So the cruiserweight division is is, is underway, right? And WCW. And I think that has potential to overtake, or at least to aid WCW in overtaking this at some point. I don't know if we're quite there yet, right? We have Ray and Dean, which is really like their first great cruiserweight match. So we can't take hindsight into account. We got we to gotta focus on where we're at at this point in time. As of right now, I mean, W. I mean, what other, you know, in-ring quality, where where was that on this show? I mean, no, nothing really else on this show was. I, th- I think I think the high I think the ceiling on this show outside of Ray and Dean was OK. Right. Sting and Regal was OK. Steiners and, and, and Fire and Ice was wasn't I, I wouldn't even say that was good. I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't really good. I don't I don't think. But Um point being ACW, I think holds on to this for now. So they they maintain on they maintain their four points. Best match of the year. Currently we are tracking Diesel versus Shawn Michaels at In Your House 7. So WWF has that at this point now. The question is was Ray Mysterio versus Dean Malenko on this show Great American Bash was that better than Shawn versus Diesel? Because Ray and Dean was the best show of the night for sure. I'm going to say no, it was not better. It was very good. Obviously, there are different styles of matches, right? But Shawn and Diesel had just the fire behind it. It had the the main event spectacle. it had the pressure, it had the build up. it had the you know, the street fight appeal of it with the in-ring just back and forth, technical aspect of it. Shawn and Diesel still maintains the best of the year for me, so WWF holds on to those two points. Worst match, Ultimate Warrior versus Gold It also at In Your House 7. Was any match on this show worse than that? I'm going to. My, my first thought is no. Maybe John Tenta Big Bubba, but that was short enough to where I think, you know, you can't really say that that was the worst, even though Gold Dust and Warrior wasn't that long, but the segment around it was long, so that kind of factors in. Um, just looking through my notes making sure i'm not missing anything conan versus Elgato. yeah i think the only contender on this show would be um bubba versus john tenta and i wouldn't say that was it was short and whatever get it out of the way i'm not going to say that's the worst match of the year so um whereas warrior versus gold dust was a title match and it was just so long so like and it was bad too like nothing they did worked so Warrior and Dust holds on to that for now. So they maintain those negative one points. So no changes on the scoreboard as of yet. But let's see if that changes here with roster star power. The next criteria best overall roster. So the best roster really. And that takes, that takes into account the star power of it. That takes into account the, the in-ring ability, the, the, the promos, the athleticism, all of that stuff. Right. And again, Feel like a broken record here. The cruiserweight division is still early days. I can't. That, I, I I just, in my mind, I can't use that as a. A way to justify WCW, although WCW is in. The, <laughs> I'm, I'm noticing here we, we are currently tracking WCW in the lead here. <coughs> <coughs> Sorry, I'm choking on my own semen. Um. Yeah, I guess we'll keep it as WCW, right? Because nothing has really changed since last time we looked at this. So yeah, we'll we'll keep it at WCW. Um, wrestler of the year, Shawn Michaels. Who who on this show, who in WCW at this point would give him a running? Um, maybe Ric Flair. Maybe Sting. I don't know. Yeah, I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody's overtaken Sean just yet. So WWF holds on to those two points. Worst wrestler of the year, Kevin Sullivan. Now, Kevin Sullivan hasn't been wrestling a ton lately. So I'm wondering, do we knock him out of the worst of the year? Given the fact that maybe he's becoming a little more um aware that he doesn't offer a lot in ring not yet, I don't think I think maybe eventually he will fall out of this category, but right now I think we um like who who else would be in the running for that maybe a big bubba maybe a um <laughs> maybe a uh ice train I don't know we'll keep um. We'll keep Kevin Sullivan there. So WCW maintains that negative one point out of ring. So we're talking about gimmicks. We're talking about characters, promos, storylines, all that stuff. Right now, the best overall, we're tracking ECW as the best. And I still maintain that because WCW, look, the outsider stuff is just, it's very good, right? But again, very early days. And that'll probably, that'll (laughs) most likely manifest. And manifest into something, you know, that that drives WCW to maybe be considered the best in terms of out of ring. But as of right now, ECW just has so much good stuff going on. They got Raven and Tommy Dreamer. They got the um, they got Taz and Sabu, they just got Taz, just an overall build of Taz. Um, Shane Douglas is a great character that's starting to flesh out. The tag division is very competitive. Um they just got some good stuff going on. The promos in, in ECW are by far the best. Just overall, just in general. So ECW holds on to those four points. Best character storyline. We are tracking Taz and ECW as the best. Um, just the slow build of him. He just beat a UFC fighter. He's just squashing people, breaking people's necks. The slow build to the Sabu match, the presentation. I mean, it's just great. Anybody on this show really kind of does anybody on this show kind of push him out of that or does any storyline in general? You can you can argue uh four horsemen versus the football players um or the the mongo situation just the horsemen in general perhaps <laughs> um the outsiders of course I think the outsiders might have the potential to overtake Taz here, but not yet. I don't think. Again, I think I think that's the theme here with Great American Bass. It's like we're, we're we're revving up for something great, right? But I don't think we're actually we're we're not we're not near that apex yet. I don't think. So I think Taz holds on to this one, and ECW maintains those two points. Worst character and storyline: The Dungeon of Doom. You saw it on this show with Big Bubba. I think he might have been the only uh, representative on this show, particularly. I mean, John Tenta and Big Bubba is a really shitty (laughs) storyline. I guess that's Dungeon of Doom, right? So yeah, you know what? Dungeon of Doom holds on to this negative one point. So we got no changes, folks. uh, From Great American Bash, WWF still in the lead with 11. With ECW right on its tail with 10 and WCW. With one measly point, so no changes here. But uh, as we enter the midpoint of the summer of 1996, we got a lot of scuttlebutt, we got a lot of shenanigans (laughs) on our way. So, looking forward to that. So, make sure you subscribe on YouTube if you're watching or listening, or subscribe to whatever podcast platform you will listen to. Um, if you like this type of episode, if you made it to this point in the episode. You want to kind of revisit this era that we've been talking about then the mid-90s, the wrestling wars of the 90s, you can go to apronbump.com and you can go to the episodes tab and you can see you can select any promotion, any era that I cover, cover a lot of stuff on this podcast, but you can, you can select wrestling wars of the 90s and that will bring you to all of the WWF, ECW, WCW shows that I've covered chronologically so you can come along this journey with me. Do that. I think that's it. I think that's all I got for you. I thought I had something else, but I think that about does it for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. Gee Willikers, I do love you all. I know I say it every time, but I really want to come through this camera and give you a big old smooch on the cheek. But until that technology is invented, I will just bid you adieu and give you a nice wave goodbye. Thank you guys so much for listening. I love you all. Yeah. I am hard. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Shook you off the ground, show you a hardest. Stan is stronger,
0: prouder. And I guess this gets started. It's the hardest. Talk around and disregard it. Shoot you off the ground, show you a hardest.